0: Welcome to Whose Podcast Is It Anyway?, a show where our host engages in a lively conversation with the guest, the guest chooses the topic, and the host has no prior preparation or knowledge of the topic. Please note that the opinions expressed on this program are the opinions and views of the host and the guests, and are not necessarily the same opinions and views of Al Seeger or Point of Insanity Game Studios. And now here's your host, Chad Knight.
1: Hello, and welcome to episode 27 of Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? I'm your host, Chad Knight, and let's get right into Welcome to My Mindmare. All right, so the things on my the things that I want to talk about this week uh, are, are actually multifold. N- number one, we're on the new setup, so. We've got the individual mics, we've got the um, sound mixer, and uh, my guest here is actually a radio guy, and he's kind of looking at everything here, trying to figure out, uh, he's playing with stuff, so if it sounds weird, it's his fault. (laughs) Anyway, um, so we're on the new equipment, so hopefully that will uh, make everything sound a little bit better. Um, Secondly, um, passions. You know, when when I'm talking about passions, I'm talking about things like, the podcasting which is a bug that has really bit me pretty hard and i do a lot of it um you know um gaming is another one of my passions as i look around the room here you can see games in every direction so you've got i i do board games i do role-playing games i do um a little bit of everything i mean i've got some card games that kind of stuff so you know it's really kind of a neat uh, concept um The other thing is family. Family is a passion of mine. I have two beautiful daughters um, that are getting up to that age where, you know, thoughts of them leaving the 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 nest are very real. My daughter, my oldest daughter, actually leaves for college in the fall. I've talked about this before, so that's not a really surprise to you. But and my youngest daughter is a sophomore in uh, is a sophomore uh, in high school. So you know the years the years are numbered. So. Uh, amongst those three things, you know, it's just kind of um, very time consuming. (laughs) Um, I'm either working or doing one of those three things. So, um, you know, and, and I guess the, um, the big thing I I guess I'm trying to say here is if you have passions, follow those passions, you know, go do what you want to do, go um, enjoy the things you enjoy doing. Um, Life is too short. And there's, there's, too much real-world stuff that gets in the way that when you have a passion, go out, go do your passion, go enjoy your passions, and don't worry about what other people think. I used to I used to worry a lot about – I wouldn't talk to anybody outside my sphere of gaming friends that I was a gamer because it was kind of looked down upon by some of the people I knew, and it just – it was easier for me not to talk about it, but now it's like, I talk to everybody about gaming. I mean, people at work, people I meet on the street, literally, I have talked to people I meet about on the street about gaming and they just kind of look at me, but you know, until they, until they lock me up and put me away, I guess it's something I'm going to continue to do. So, um, you know, just fulfill your passions, do what you like doing. Um, And then the other thing is it's just recently that we've gotten a new president and, and every day there is another headline and every day I wonder how long it's going to be before they find out that this man is truly insane. Um, he, he, some of his policies, some of the things he's trying to do, some of the things he talks about doing that he hasn't done yet. Uh, all these things just kind of make me say, what the fuck is going on? You know, this is just kind of the, the stuff that scared me about him before he became president. And now that he is president, it scares me even more. Now, with that said, let's uh, let's talk to our guest. Let's bring him in here. Let's talk to uh, my guest, Zach Hagenbueger, or Hagen, how do you say your last name? How do you not know this? I I do. Okay, Hagenbueger. That's no, how I know it's Hagenbusher. It's Hagenbusher. I have been saying it wrong for how many You're years? You were my employer. Yeah. Well, I know how to spell it yeah okay, okay. <laughs> that's all i need oh to do you try. know how to spell let me see okay is Miss that a piece piece paper? yeah oh, is that not spelled right um
0: that is how it's
1: spelled okay good okay. i may i know how to spell it i don't know how to say it so yeah um i've known you since now it might have been a little bit longer than this with game club and stuff no but almost almost tw- seven years yeah since 2010, about 2010 yeah, yeah okay that's what i have here so Um, we hired Zach when, uh, Adam and I started Chatham Games. We hired Zach. He is our (laughs) one and only employee. That's right. Um, he is a sci-fi guy. He is a video game buff, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Yeah, I I, I dabble. And, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's into wrestling, the same as I am. Yeah. Um, so, tell us about yourself. Tell us what you do in the real world. Tell us whatever you want to tell us about yourself.
0: I don't know if I want to tell you what I do in the real world,
1: um, (laughs) You don't have to if you don't want no, to. No,
0: that's that's fine. No, I I um <clears throat> I work in broadcasting. I'm not going to say where because I'm not representing my broadcasting Fair enough. Uh, company. I'm representing myself, but I work in broadcasting uh and I I talk on the radio for a living. That's what I do. I, and I, I I've I, heard you on the radio. And I write a lot of people have and <laughs> I write stories um for our website. Uh so That's, that's what I'm doing right now. You know, uh, I've, I've worn a lot of different hats. My very first job was at Chatham Games with Chad and Adam. Uh, and I had a, I mean, that really, really was the foundation for a lot of, of really great experiences. Am I, am I showing up? Yeah. Okay, cool. (laughs) really, Really was the foundation for a lot of, a lot of great life experiences, a lot of great work experiences. I, uh, you know, you guys, you trusted me with a lot at a very young age and i think that uh i i hope eventually that i proved your trust correct i, uh, I absolutely. know absolutely at I, first
1: it was pretty rough it was it was a little rough but you were you were new to what you were doing it was adam and i were new to what we were doing yeah that's true and uh i think between all of it we all kind of came together and, and it worked out but uh you're right it was a little rough at the beginning but you know i mean i had i never had the thought that if i left you there alone you were going to uh, run off with you know oh, anything sure.
0: no that was never the problem i just uh, i had i had a lot to learn about um, customer service customer service that's right i had a lot to learn well guess what it's it's become pretty much what i've been good at for most
1: of my working careers well you know i i've had many jobs over my over my career and all but one of them have been customer based yeah um and, and the one that wasn't customer based i absolutely hated. it i used to sort wood for a certain oh, sure. um, <laughs> supplier in Wisconsin, and oh my God, talk about a tedious, horrible job! Right. Uh, but anyway, so I'm gonna jump into today in history, and then we'll come back. We'll we'll hit your topic, and we'll uh, see what we're talking about. All tonight. right, I, I got a doozy for you. I'm sure. All right, so um, as I always say, today in history, always I get all my stuff from uh, www.history.com/slash this day in history. So, February 3rd, 1959, the music dies in an Iowa cornfield. It was already snowing at Minneapolis, and the general forecast for the area along the intended route indicated deteriorating weather conditions, wrote the Civil Aeronautics Board investigators six months after the crash that killed Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and J.P., the big bopper, Richardson, on this day in 1959. The ceiling and visibility were lowering and winds aloft were so high one could reasonably have expected to encounter adverse weather during the estimated two-hour flight. All of this information was available to 20 I'm sorry to 21 year old pilot Roger Peterson, if only he had asked for it, instead he relied on an incomplete weather report and on the self-confidence of youth in making the decision to take off from Clear Lake, Iowa shortly after midnight on February 3rd, 1959. Untrained and uncertified in instrument-only flight, Peterson was flying into conditions that made visual navigation impossible. Considering all of these facts, the investigating authorities concluded, the decision to go seems most imprudent. The young pilot's decision to go may well have been influenced by the eagerness of his almost equally young client, Buddy Holly. To spare himself and his backing band another miserable night in the unheated tour bus, that had already sent his drummer to the hospital with symptoms of frostbite. Eleven days into a scheduled 23-stop tour, Holly was fed up, worn out, and looking forward to a good night's rest in a warm bed before the next night's show in Moorhead, Minnesota. In a similar mindset was a tired and ill J.P. Richardson, who played on the sympathies of Holly's guitarist to wrangle his seat on the flight with Holly. The guitarist was future country legend Waylon Jennings. Meanwhile, Tommy, Tommy Allsop, Holly's guitarist, to, to, uh, offered to flip a coin with up-and-coming young star Richie Valance for his seat. And so it was that Peterson's Beechcraft Bonanza carried not Holly and his band, but Holly and two of the three other stars of the Winter Dance Party Tour on its ill-fated flight. Dion DeMucci was the fourth of those stars but he would join Alsop, Jennings, and the various other tour musicians on the freezing bus ride ahead. The plane plane would crash, and Holly, Richardson, Valens, and Peterson would be dead, within five minutes of takeoff, as the direct result of pilot error. On the next morning, when Waylon Jennings learned what had happened hours earlier, he would recall his final good-natured exchange with Buddy Holly. Well, said Holly, when he learned of Jennings' swap with the Big Bopper, I hope your old bus freezes over. Jennings' response, well, I hope your plane crashes. So that's kind of interesting. Now, this is something I didn't know. I did not know Waylon Jennings was his uh, guitarist. Because um, I, I know Waylon Jennings of Dukes of Hazard fame and things like that. So, Didn't he um,
0: pass away as well recently? He did. He, yeah. he
1: passed away in 2016 yeah. along with a bevy of many, other, many other yeah it was a horrible trigger. year to be a celebrity
0: um, man you're just dropping bombs what do you mean i'm if dropping you're, bombs you're dropping bombs you're like oh trump this oh buddy holly died how am i
1: supposed to what is this and <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to talk about open heart surgery <laughs> hey if you're if you're a if you have the ability to talk about open heart surgery and you want to I don't. that's fine <laughs> i'm guessing though um I, I think I know your topic based simply on the shirt you're wearing, okay, actually, I have a choice. you have a choice I have a okay. choice
0: of topics for you, Chad, because um talking about this show, I didn't know that you weren't supposed to know what we were talking about, right, and you kind of dropped who, who in their right mind would plan a podcast where they don't know what they're talking about going in episode twenty seven baby <laughs> the question the answer to that question is Chad Knight but, that's right. Uh, let me just say, okay, so I have two choices, all right, we can either talk about the greatest story ever told about, you know, based off of stories also that have already been told. Right. And that would be Star Wars. Okay. Or, or we can talk about something that both of us know a bit about, what we actually bonded over back in March of 2010,
1: and that would be professional wrestling. Ooh. Well. It is your choice. It's my choice. Now, I don't usually do that, um... Wow. Well, you know what? What the hell? Let's talk wrestling.
0: Let's talk wrestling. Man, I do that all the time. Here yeah, we go. Yeah, I know. You
1: have you actually have a podcast. I do.
0: I didn't mean to turn this into a cross promotional podcast. No, film, but, but go do.
1: ahead. And go ahead and plug your uh, podcast.
0: I, along with my co along with my co host uh, Joshua Yeager, uh host the show called Pro Wrestling Off Topic with Zach Hagenbusher and Joshua Yeager. Uh we are on uh, Podomatic, which was the original home of the podcast, we're also on TuneIn Radio and on Spreaker. Uh, the Spreaker app is probably the best way to hear it um, or TuneIn app, one of the two. Um, you can uh, you just search Pro Wrestling Off Topic and we, we get off topic quite a bit, obviously. It's kind of a... <laughs> I, I, I've always not necessarily liked the name but we've done it so long. I mean, we, we, started, we started it back in August of 2013. It was right around the time that Daniel Bryan was getting his his big push. His big push, okay. Uh, and and it was leading into that SummerSlam, we recorded our first episode, our first three episodes, and then somehow, someway, I lost them. Oh, really? Yeah. No, they've never been heard. But Joshua considers them a part of our chronology. He considers really? those how, the how first can I, three episodes.
1: Okay, I get that, but how can you do that and say, well, nobody's ever heard them? Good question. <laughs> oh, so, so you're I, in agreement with made, me on that. I have
0: made the argument... That doesn't make any sense. Why would we call those episodes one, two, and three if no one's ever heard them? Right. And he insists that we do it because to, uh, basically
1: to make me feel bad for losing them in the first place. Well, that's kind of a dick move, but well, okay. Hey, you haven't heard our podcast. <laughs> I have actually. I've listened to an episode <laughs> or two, so.
0: Um, no, it's, uh, I- I'm the heel. I'm the heel on our podcast. Okay. For sure. I'm the heel. Okay. Uh, but we, um, yeah, we talk about, Anything that we're watching, you know, and we'll talk about a lot of stuff that we remember as well from okay. I mean, we have very different backgrounds. We're we're a couple of years I mean we're probably about a decade apart in age. Okay. Maybe a little more. Um he actually has an independent wrestling background, which I think you know. Yep. Um he he ran a promotion with a couple of friends up in uh Merrill, up in the Northwoods, and uh, they you know, they they ran I think consistently for six years, five or six years. Okay. And- so he's got a lot of stories from those times. Um, and he also, uh, he, you know, he, he watches wrestling for different reasons than I do. I think, you know, we, we look, we appreciate different things about the business. So right. it certainly is, uh, uh, an interesting couple of perspectives. I, I started watching in 2002, um, and started watching hardcore, like with John Cena. That would have been the time I remember. Yeah, Cause his he debut came in 2002, didn't yep, he? I remember his debut episode of SmackDown. And he came in and he won a title. no. No, no. So he, John Cena came in and uh, he took Kurt Angle to the limit.
1: But, oh, that's uh, what it uh, was. Their okay. first
0: match, but he didn't win. Okay. And he was a jobber for a long time until uh, he found that uh, it, it was an episode of SmackDown in October of 2002. Okay. He showed up to their Halloween party dressed as Vanilla Ice, and and he, that, and he yeah, rapped and like that, that just, was his thing. And that right. suddenly next week or the next time you saw him. He was
1: Thugonomics, dressed as
0: a rapper, and he yeah. was rapping his way to the ring. And I remember I didn't like him very much then, and uh, eventually he won me over, and eventually he won a lot of people over. People forget that John Cena used to be,
1: like, <laughs> legit over, like, the oh, yeah. top guy, oh, the yeah. baby face that everybody liked. Well, you know, and here's the funny thing, and, and I have always been a John Cena mark. I like the way he worked from the very beginning. Now... His thugonomics gimmick, I wasn't a big fan of that. Oh, I I thought it was cool. It showed personality.
0: Uh and if, if he was the one who was writing the raps, which I think he was, okay. Then I mean, that's even better. You know, that, that means that he's he's getting to show that creativity.
1: Right. No, he um, definitely had a talent there, but I've never sure. been a fan of rap in general. Sure, okay. So I didn't I didn't like the gimmick. I always liked him as even when he was a jobber, because I remember watching some of his stuff as a jobber. He still showed talent. So I've always been yeah. kind of a John Cena fan. And the fact now that he's got this like almost 50-50 split, you know, let's go Cena, Cena sucks thing, you know, is is to me, that's like the pinnacle because he can go either way and people are still going to cheer him.
0: That's, that's kind of the thing about, and I guess this is a, as good of a place to start as any, um... John Cena as a character, especially in 2017, Mm -hmm. is one of the most interesting characters, maybe, in the history of wrestling. Because you you have a guy who, by all means, like by all measures of respect of the business, should be universally respected by everybody. Right. And yet, he's got this stigma. Because we are living in an era of wrestling that's never been seen. You know what I mean? In, In the 80s... In the 90s, people just watched wrestling to have, you know, just to watch. Right. And they would just watch whatever is on TV, and yeah, they would boo the bad guys, but they, you know, they wouldn't get, you, you have a new breed of fan, and the internet is a big reason for that. And hell, we're talking about it right now. Right. Where it's analyzed very, very closely to, you know, by a lot of people now to the point where it's like, well, now I know why. This guy didn't get pushed. Like right. I know why, and I, I, and you, you get into the, the pseudo politics of it, where you're like, well, I wish that I could see Cesaro win the title instead of John Cena, and then now you resent Cena because he's getting
1: right, what the you want your other and, guy to right. have.
0: But I, I mean, Cena is a very, he's also a very unique person because you look at his style; it hasn't really changed. But if you see him in the ring now, as opposed to later, I mean, he's like um, – he's bumping – his bumps are really different. He's taken a lot of punishment. He mm-hmm. worked for a decade pretty right. much nonstop.
1: And, and he hardly ever lost unless it was storyline related.
0: Right. So I, – but I mean, we're not – it's not just what we say on TV. I mean, you know, WWE, they, they tour five days a week. Right. They, they got five days a week job just like you and me. Right. So they – are throwing themselves at the ground for most of the week, and then they get to go home and rest up. But John Cena did that without, I mean, maybe a break here or there for, like, a surgery. Right. But it wasn't for very long, you know. And right, he and he always right seemed to come back,
1: back faster than the estimated time. Yeah,
0: he would always push himself to get back as soon as he possibly could. Because wasn't it, it,
1: he had a, he had knee surgery. And they said six to eight months or something like that, and he was back in four?
0: Yeah, there was the, uh, in 2007 when he was the champion, and he had to be stripped of the belt. Right. uh, He dropped drop the belt because uh, he had that pec injury, and he had the surgery. He came back at the Royal Rumble. Like, he dropped the belt in October, and he came back at the Royal Rumble when he wasn't supposed to. Like, the doctor said, don't. (laughs) And, (laughs) And he did, anyway. But, uh, right. I, I, he, uh, again, for all intents and purposes, he has put in just as much work as anyone probably ever has. Right. And he's got this heat with, now, I've, I used to be, and you can vouch for this, I used to be a Cena hater.
1: Oh yeah. I used to be like, we, we wow. went to that, we went to a live raw.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, we did. And, uh, and
1: at that point, I wouldn't say I was a mark, but I, I've always, like I said, I've always been a John Cena fan. Sure. But you were just, I stood up, and I'm and I'm rooting for Cena, and you're just like standing there, just shaking your head, just like Son I'm of like a God bitch. damn it, all
0: these stupid kids.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, but no, I
0: I get it now. Like I do. He's he's a totally like back then. I was one of those people who was like, man, he's just getting the push that everybody else deserves. Right. But right. now I'm like, well, no, because he was there. He's he can tell the story. That's the thing. He's he's not um, Cesaro. He doesn't have the same technical mind the technical right. moves absolutely he's not um you know a lot of the more um gifted in ring athletes who can who can do a lot of things he's he's not built that way i mean if you look at his body he's just not built that right way. he's built to be a specific kind of wrestler he's very good at doing what he does the other thing that he has that nobody else has in that company right now is the ability to make you care about a match? Right. If John Cena's in a match, it doesn't matter who it, who it's against. It could be against a babyface or a heel, and that's the other thing about his character. Yeah, he right
1: is great. He's so gray right now. He could
0: face whoever, right? And it would be a very heated match. Right now, he's against. Uh, he's doing that program with AJ, and, and you know, which is great, and I love AJ. But the that's kind of the thing. There's there's a very very big AJ's kind of the same way. There's a very big group of people that love AJ, and there's a like the other group that's like, well, whatever, he's a bad guy, so I'm gonna, whoop, I'm gonna boo him. And Cena is kind of like, if you listen to the promos in that angle, he's not saying his stuff in the. He, what he used to say was, "Oh, I just get back up and I never quit and I keep fighting." Now what he's saying is, "You can't hold my jock strap. Like right. I'm, I am, I actually John like
1: fucking Cena. I actually like best. this John Cena and I hope they at some point they put the belt on him for the 16th time. I think they will. And and I, who I, knows by the time this airs they may have already. Who good point, good point. <laughs> so, you know, it's um it it AJ Styles. I have a love-hate relationship with AJ Styles. I'm because, sorry. What? How do you how do you okay, hate AJ Styles? Because I hate his mic work. He's his a,
0: mic work is he's way He's a whiny little his bitch. His mic work is way better now than it was. Years ago, well, like, sure. And, and I mean, TNA. I if you had told me three years ago that the age of Styles in TNA would be the age of Styles in WWE right now, I would have been like, "You're you're out of your mind." He is evolved a lot, as and he as may a have,
1: performer. and he may have. And I love his technical work. I love watching him in the ring. Sure, but he just he strikes me as such so whiny. You're getting worked, Chad. You're getting worked. I probably that's, am. That, I mean,
0: I, that's the character he's supposed to portray. So it's good that you dislike him because. He's supposed to well, make you Well, see, that's, where, that's him. what I'm
1: saying. Is I don't necessarily dislike him, though. Sure,
0: he's just one of those. You don't
1: like his character that he's yes. performing. Okay. Yeah, I can
0: understand that. I mean, personally, I don't care. I, I, I he. They've given him. Well, who him... do you,
1: who do you tend to like more? Do you like the heels or do you like the, the faces? I mean, I'm now I'm one of those internet
0: marks, so I, I like the wrestlers that can perform. You know, I, I mean, I understand. I'm also, I, I understand that everybody has a point on the card. For example. You know Santino Marella back in the day. He was a comedy wrestler. Yeah, that yep. was his thing. He went out there. He made people laugh. And, he was and, good at it. Come on, but the Cobra was awesome. The Cobra was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I I remember when they won those tag team titles with the Cobra, and I was like, "This is the best wrestling. Will never be better than this." <laughs> uh, but he he uh, he was awesome at what he did. There are there are wrestlers who are good at, at specific pieces that are not meant to carry the main event. I don't like it when they try and push wrestlers that I, I don't feel are ready for the spot or deserving of the spot they have in, in the sense that they're just not talented enough. For example... I was just going to say, for example... Mike the Miz, Mizanin. I hate that fuck because he's just so plain. Like, there's nothing wrong, per se, with what he does, but right. everything he does just looks so robotic to me and it always has. He's a, he's good as a mid-card, which is actually where he is right now. Right, yeah. He's in that Intercontinental Championship picture. Maybe not anymore. He, he just lost on SmackDown, right. so he's probably out of it for a while. But, sure, that's probably the place for him. If they try to push him in, a, like, a World Championship right. picture, I'm going to get upset because I just, everything about him pisses me off. Which okay, this is good for a heel, I guess, but right. it, it doesn't make for an
1: entertaining in-ring product. But the, prob- the problem with the Miz, my problem with the Miz is, is, I don't think that's just in-ring. I think he's just an ass. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he yeah, just strikes maybe. me as being—he was on the Real World. I see, and I could care less about the Real World. But you know who else was on the Real World? Puck. No, Congressman Sean Duffy. Yeah, I remember hearing that. Yeah.
0: Yep, he was on the Real World, Real World too. Um, so maybe that's a—that's what you, you got to do, Chad. You got to get on the Real World, and then you'll be successful. <laughs> yeah. I guess as as a because clearly you're not now. I'm just. Trying- <laughs> Joke I'm him. not sure how to take that I'm man joking.
1: Joking. <laughs> Yeah
0: no hey. you've got a beautiful family you've got a beautiful home you're, you're, you're set man I'll
1: take it I'll take it um all right there's a there's a few co- there's a few wrestlers I want to get your opinion okay, on. let's let's talk All right so the first one actually kind of pissed me off what happened to him uh, but Finn Balor oh he gets yeah. called up he wins the universal title. And then he gets, he sure. takes the bump. So for those of you who aren't
0: familiar, because we should, we should do this because people are listening to this and they know the fuck, no fucking clue what we're talking about. True. So, true. So Finn Balor was a wrestler from uh Ireland. His name is uh Fergal Devitt and he made his way in Ireland. Then he made his way in Japan. And then he came to the U S after he had garnered enough. Um, He's, he's one of the new batch of guys. Cause back, back in WWE, like, um, in the 90s and, like, the Attitude Era. Right. They were signing a bunch of people from WCW, ECW, guys who had had other experience. And that helped them a lot when they got to WWF. Right. But now, I mean, for, like, most of the 2000s, you had a lot of guys who were um, trained by WWF, right. WWE, coming up and... Right they weren't necessarily ready for that spotlight. They they didn't necessarily have the preparation that they probably should have. Right. And when did they start NXT? They started NXT in 2012, I want to say, when they actually had the performance center. Like right. The, um here's and, and this building where we're going to teach you how to a be a wrestler. wrestler.
1: Right. And, and the, some of the guys, and Finn Balor is one of them that came out of NXT.
0: Yeah. Well, he was ready to go when he got there. But the, the idea is he, he's one of this now new group of guys who – they're signing. They have a lot of experience internationally. They have a right. lot of, you know, whether it's Ireland, England, Japan, wherever, they have a lot of experience in other rings. They come to America. They come to the WWE. They send them to the Performance Center and on NXT television to basically show them. So this is how our product works. Right. You know, this is how our in-ring style, our our version of this storytelling works and if you can adapt to it, then you'll be successful. If you can't adapt to it, then you're you're not right. going to be successful. But now more and more, they seem to be not as not as concerned with how well you adapt, because I think that I think that the plan is to keep a lot of people that they're signing now in NXT to make that its own brand, like to right. make that its own
1: show. Well, you know, and and right now WWE TV has three uh, three different shows. They have Monday Night Raw. Yep. they have Tuesday night SmackDown live, sure, and they have NXT on Wednesday.
0: Well, if, if we're going to add NXT, then we got to add all the other stuff too. I mean, but the
1: other main one right now is 205 live, which oh is yes, their, which their is their show. cruiserweight show. Yeah. Um, mm. Now, I'm a big cruiserweight fan, but I don't have the network, so I don't get to see 205 live. Well, that means you don't get to see NXT either. I do through Hulu. Oh, they still put it up on Hulu. Yes. Okay. They, okay. That's where I watch Raw. That's where I watch SmackDown. Okay. And that's where I watch NXT. Okay. Um. So I get to I watch those three episodes, those three shows, and that's why we'll talk about those the most. But but Finn Balor, get him back to
0: the point. Uh, Finn Balor is one of those guys. He was brought into NXT. Right. Uh, they they gave him a pretty good push right off the bat. Now and his, he his gimmick
1: is that is his his gimmick of the demon is that something that he brought with him? It is. Yeah. Okay. He he would paint
0: himself up like that. He would use different designs, like different characters, different all that stuff. Right. But when they brought him into WWE, they said, "Well, we just want you to do." The one character, the which I, I think works. It works. It works really well. And he, he
1: doesn't wear the makeup all the time. No.
0: It, when he's, uh, for most matches, he comes out, he's just looking like himself. He wears a cool leather jacket. Yep. And then when, uh, when it's time for a main event, a big match, he will put on, he'll paint up like, like Venom and Carnage from Spider-Man. Yep. And he becomes the Demon King. Yeah. Which is what they're calling him on the main roster now, the right. Demon King. Right. But, um, he, uh... Yeah, he, he did really well in NXT. They kept him there for like two years because he didn't really want to leave. He wanted to learn more about how the product worked and more, worked and more about how to present himself on screen. Uh, in the ring, he was always right, right. there. Right. And um, he was their champion for a long time, the longest reigning champion they've had. And then they pulled the belt off of him, and they pulled him up when they did a brand split again in the summer. Um, so there's now if you haven't been keeping up with wrestling, they,
1: they went back
0: to exclusive wrestlers to Raw and exclusive wrestlers to SmackDown. So Finn And Ballard, there only seems
1: to be one exception to that entire and that thing. that is The Undertaker. The Undertaker. Yes. He, I go where I want. When I want. When I
0: want. And
1: no one
0: controls me. And I love how he just got in Stephanie's face. Yeah. No one, Stephanie. Uh, you uh, they They pulled him up to Raw. And on the first night after the brand split. his debut on Raw, he's put in a fatal four-way, two fatal four-way matches, yeah. and he wins them both. Then he, or no, he's put in a fatal four-way match, he wins it, and then in the main event of Raw on his first night, he beats Roman Reigns, their big main eventer, yeah. for a shot at the Universal Championship, and it's like, whoa.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they're, yeah, they're I mean, I, ex- the the moon. I expected a push on him when he came in, but that big of a push, pushed, I did not expect. He beat him one, two, three clean. There was yeah. no
0: chicanery, no tricks. He drop kicked him, hit the big foot stomp off the top rope, and that was it. And then uh, Roman rolled out, and the person was like, how do you feel? And he was like, he's a better man tonight." And then uh, at SummerSlam, and I just watched the match the other day. Okay. Um, yeah, it uh He's going up for – he's he's facing Seth Rollins for the universal title. Yep. Rollins – there's a spot on the outside. Rollins power bombs him into the barricade. And I, I think he lets him go too early or something. And Finn's arm smashes into the barricade. And dislocates. And it dislocates. And you see him grab his arm and push put it back, back in. in. You see him put it back in. But for the entire rest of the match, he is favoring that arm. But when you, I mean, just watch, cause it, right. was, it was the first time that I'd really gone back and watched it was the other day. And so it's so funny you bring this up. And I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, he did all of this with a torn labor. Like he did all of this. He, he bumped around like crazy. He didn't, he didn't take anything off of what the match would have been. He finished the match. He beats Seth Rollins. He becomes the first essentially world champion. I mean, uh, of Raw, like right. the first. Well, they call him the Universal yes, Champion, but the first Universal Champion, which is supposed to be on the same level as the WWE title. So he's the world champion of the company, the top guy on Raw, and that one move, that one moment, he tore his labrum, and they had to do surgery, and they had to strip him of the title
1: the, the next night. night. That was horrible. And and since then, love or hate Kevin Owens, I love him. I I like him. Yeah, I I do. And and actually, him uh, hooked up with Jericho. I love the the, the Jericho or, or whatever the hell they're calling yeah, him to this it's week. Yeah, it's fun,
0: isn't it? That's it fun. is.
1: It is. Um, and this is something you can attest to. I used to hate Jericho. Yeah. Oh yeah, you did.
0: Which is why I'm kind of surprised you just said that.
1: I know. And and I've come around in the last couple of years just watching him. I I remember there was. We went to see when when we went to see that
0: RAW. That yeah. was actually it was like the week after Jericho got punted in the head by Orton and sent away. So I was like upset. I was like, "We're not going to see Jericho." <laughs> and then you're like, "Good riddance."
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> but um, all right, so um, do, do have you heard a timeline on Finn Balor? I know you're more plugged um, in. Uh,
0: well, again, we're we are recording this before the Royal Rumble. I, oh. I have a very strong suspicion that he may be ready and he may be show up in that match. Oh, okay. So by the time you hear this, he could already be back and that and would he, be awesome. he may have won for all we know. Cause I, that would be a cool story for mania. If, if he were to come back and have a shot, you know, win the Royal Rumble it to would. get a shot at his belt again.
1: Now I was, I was just reading online that, um, that the three favorites to win the rumble are of course the undertaker, Brock Lesnar, or, um, Goldberg. Goldberg. God, no. So, but now what I was reading is that they're not going to have Goldberg or Lesnar win because they're going to have a match down the road at a pay per view. That's supposed to be the um, big thing.
0: Yeah. Well, they, I, I think, I think they want to do a WrestleMania. I'll, I'll say this. And this is just based off of what I've heard. Um, cause I subscribe to Wrestling Observer. They, they claimed that back in like October or September, Okay. That they had already picked Brock Lesnar's opponent for for WrestleMania. Really? Yeah. And uh, Goldberg at that point was not a part of the conversation. Okay. So I, they may stick with their plan, but of course they change their mind. Yeah, right? all and, the time. And if you know they they saw the Goldberg thing at Survivor Series, and obviously they think that it worked enough to bring him back for Royal Rumble, so they may he may do another match with Brock at, at Mania, but I
1: can't imagine it would go too long. I don't get, um, do you have any idea behind the minute and 26 second match? I mean, think about it, Chad. What,
0: when Goldberg defeated Brock Lesnar in a yeah. minute and 20 seconds, or 26 seconds at uh, Survivor Series in November, were you
1: expecting them to have a 15 to 20 minute giant battle? No, but I wasn't expecting 90 seconds. Uh, frankly, I think
0: it I think it was all that they could it was the best match that they were going to be able to do Chad. You think so? Goldberg is not there anymore. Goldberg is Well 50. no, he's 50 years he old. He's 50. He had been out of he had been out of it for 12 years. Yeah. The best thing you can do, maybe maybe I mean cuz you know on that but short notice But how does notice, how
1: does this help? Because as as wrestlers, they're always looking at the, how does this help? How does this help Brock Lesnar? It gives him it gives him something to build off for
0: his character. And that was something that I was hoping they would follow up with, and they did. The next night on Raw, they had that interview with Paul Heyman. Right. And Paul Heyman says, he is pissed off. He's the most pissed off he's ever been. And he's not mad at, he's mad at himself because he took it. We, we made a mistake. We took him for granted. Mm-hmm. And that was the story. I mean, the very short story, but that was the story of that match. He picks him up. He takes him into the corner very easily, and then he backs off and he and he laughs at him. He laughs at Goldberg, and Goldberg pushes him to the ground because he's like, "Get the fuck off me!" Right. And then Lesnar laughs again. He's like, 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 wipes his face or whatever, gets up, and as he's getting up, he turns his back. He turns the 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 the, the former world champion, the former UFC champion, turns his back on an opponent. Yeah. What happens? He gets blasted with a spear. Blasted with another spear. Jack, Jackhammered, and, jack hammered hammered and, and that's it's over. It. So it. I. I think. I think it's. It, it. It helps Brock actually because it's like from now on, you think you're going to get that chance again. Do you think anyone else is Fair going enough. to catch Brock Lesnar with his back turn again?
1: No. So anyway, back to what I was saying though. So this article I read, or this guy's opinion on the line, said that. Um, it's taker it's going to be taker's farewell he's going to he's going to win the royal rumble he's going to then go to mania and and headline they're going to put the title on him one more time and then he's going to retire put the title on him one more time that's what they're saying is that's why he's back in a in a bigger capacity is because he wants the he wants the title one more time so i think I'd love to see it. I don't know if he can, you know, if he can withstand another title run, though. I I, I mean, think about it. The title run is just going to be... Pay-per-views. It's going to be him at Mania, and then he's going to drop it. You think so? He'll come out on Raw or something and drop it and retire? or No, he'll just lose it. You think he's going to win at Mania this year? Well, that's that's what this article said. Oh. I, it's not I, saying I mean, what that's, I think. That's
0: very... um. That's wishful thinking, I think. Um, I I think no matter who The Undertaker faces at WrestleMania this year, he loses, for sure.
1: It's quite Um, possible. You know, I've been saying this for the last three, four, five years, that, uh, you know, oh, this Mania's got to be Taker's last last go. You know, and I think a lot of people thought that. I mean, there was the one WrestleMania where he couldn't even really walk out. I mean...
0: Yeah, we watched that one here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mania in 27. He, um... He looked like he was dying, like yeah. literally dying. I, I, we, we thought that he may never wrestle again because he just looked like he was out right. of shape. Well, he looked just in bad
1: condition. He did his rope dive and, and botched that. And, oh, yeah, and
0: fell into the case. Yeah. Well, that's Triple H's fault. He didn't catch him worth the shit.
1: Well, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's a nice little, well. Well, you know, it's, it, I mean, it happens, in, and you see it all the time, um, where are People will either not catch right, or you know something's missed. It's it happens, and that's how people get hurt is because accidents happen. But um, so you know, what I like to see, uh, take her as champion one more time. Yes. Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. Yeah. Um. All right. A group, a, a couple of guys that I'm really liking right now, as tag team champions, Cesaro and Sheamus. Yeah. I didn't think I would wind up
0: actually supporting their team as much as I am, but they—they are—they—they they found something—a good dynamic that they haven't done in a while. Yeah. You know, Strange bedfellows, if you will, partners that didn't get along. They were rivals, and now they're tag team champions together. It's a story they haven't told in a long time. The last time I can remember them really telling it like like this right. would have been Matt Hardy and MVP on SmackDown in like two thousand seven, two thousand eight. No, wow. 2007, 2006, 2007. Okay. Um, Matt MVP was the U.S. champ at the time. Okay. And MVP was like, like a, M- Matt was consistently challenging him for the title, and MVP would always, you know, he would cheat or whatever to keep it. But then he's like, man, this guy is gonna take my championship. So he he finagled away. Okay. To become to get a tag team championship match with Matt. And they won the titles. So Matt is like, Yeah, I know we're tag team champions, but we've, you know, I'm, I still want your US title. And he's like, (laughs) He's like, no, no, we've got a tag title defense tonight. Like, like he would just pull that, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Used the tag team championships to, buffer matt hardy away from his u.s title okay um which was actually i i thought that was an entertaining story unfortunately it did lead to mvp and as they've done with that mid-card belt a lot not not necessarily lately but they've done it a lot where the guy who has it it pretty much just stays on him because they don't have him defend it. like he just keeps it for months on end yeah that was kind of what they were doing with roman
1: reigns with the u.s title there yeah, was, and he there was a lot of times where he was gonna defend it, and then something would happen. Right, and he wouldn't defend it that night. Or right um,
0: MVP for that he had it for I think almost a year on SmackDown, and he just never he never really defended it against anybody. So yeah, that you'll, you'll get a long title reign if you
1: never have to put it up. Right. So but, back to Cesaro and Sheamus. Now I like both of these guys separately. Okay, yeah, they're completely different wrestling types. I mean, the way they wrestle, Sheamus is more of a He's just a punchy in the mouth kind of guy, where Cesaro is more of a tactician. Cesaro kind of reminds me of, like, a mix of, like, uh, Bret the Hitman Hart and, like, um, uh, the Cruiserweight guy. Um, <laughs> the Cruiserweight guy. Yeah, I know. Uh, uh, thousand, thousand Holds guy. Dean Malenko? Dean Malenko, thank sure. you. Okay. So, like, a mixture of those two guys, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, I really liked his style. And I liked Seamus' style. I, I really liked Seamus' style, especially from the point where, and and I know you're going to hate this because you hated it when it happened, but when he took Daniel Bryan's oh, title. Oh, at, I understand it
0: more now. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. But, but you, you, you can finish
1: telling the story. It was, it was it was, was, it Mania? Yeah, it was Mania. Yeah. And he comes in and he just bro-kicks. That's it. Yep, and Kakes. that was the entire match. Kicks Daniel Bryan in the face, the opener of WrestleMania. Well,
0: I I was just so disappointed because, because you and I, I mean, I knew Sheamus was going to win. That wasn't what I was upset about. I was upset that like it took eight seconds or whatever. That it took it was. eighteen seconds. You could have given these guys so much time. They could have had a great match. Yeah, the two WrestleMania. of those guys could have had a killer match. And they and they had a great match at Extreme Rules the next month. Right. But at WrestleMania, the biggest show of the year, they decide to kick Daniel Bryan in the face and pin him one, two, three with no he, no fight right. whatsoever. That's what upset me.
1: Yeah, and I get I get that too. But at the time, I was I was so anti Daniel Bryan at the time. Yeah, you were. I don't
0: not, again, and I don't know, I don't know why. Know what your problem is? <laughs> you, you've got a lot of you uh, through the years.
1: Yes, you and I have been at odds about a lot of wrestlers. Yes, yes, we have. Um... All right, so, but I like the two, I like the mesh. I like the the seven-match, the seven, uh, you know, tournament they did where they didn't, uh, you know, they couldn't come up with a winner because of the final match or whatever. And then they, uh, then uh, who, uh, Daniel Bryan, Mick Foley. Mick Foley. Mick Foley's like, you guys are going to be a tag team. That's where you're going to get your gold shot. And they're both like, I'm not tagging with him. And then he's like, well, you're not getting your shot at the gold. And so they do it reluctantly and. They do a few matches where uh, there was even a couple of matches where they were like on Facebook live watching yeah. the other guy get his ass kicked, yeah. you know, kind of thing. And uh, so, you know, and it comes together and then they're like, they're both ready to just say it's not worth the gold anymore. We're going to split ways. And then they get in a bar fight in the cheesiest looking fake bar I've yeah. ever seen in my yeah, life. Yeah, well, you know, it is wrestling. <laughs> I know, but it was it was sad and uh and then they really started to mesh now they're still um it, it's kind of funny because cesaro goes in there and he gets cheered and sheamus still gets booed because cesaro was a baby face and sheamus has been a heel for quite a while even though he's kind of making that turn i would say to less of a heel and more of a baby face now yeah yeah um but uh so i really like that team i like the fact that they got they got the gold well the silver i guess
0: yeah the red and silver god those belts are ugly
1: they well you know the, since they redid the tag team belts that that um warrior
0: the, the copper
1: belt the, the copper belt black I hated and copper yeah I hated that I I don't like the red and silver I don't like the uh uh the blue and uh, the blue the, and the blue and silver, silver on smackdown actually, actually kind of works but it's still, I still hate that emblem. I still don't like that. I don't like the design. I don't like the design.
0: See, I don't have a problem with the design. I always had a problem with, like, the color. I didn't like the copper belt. You know, like, yeah, the I copper belt it was horrible. Looked, looked
1: weird. And, like, like you said, the silver's much better, but it is what it, it is. Put it on a black
0: strap. Don't put it on the fucking red strap. <laughs> candy cane red. Well, that's they, my problem because with. Because it's u- raw. That's my problem with Universal Title II. Is it yeah, the red? It's that candy cane red. I'm like, this is a world championship. I like, really like the, the black belt. one
1: they had for a while before the brand split. They had the black title. Well titles. they still have it. AJ has it on SmackDown. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like the, you know, if the... they turn that belt blue. Oh my <laughs> god. I <laughs> might stop I might stop watching Chad. No, you won't. <laughs> oh, I think I will. Um okay, a few other people. Um Charlotte Flair. What are your yeah. thoughts on Charlotte Flair?
0: Charlotte is maybe the best um
1: She could be among the best pure athletes they have. Period. Yep. Uh, And and she plays a hell of a of a of a of a heel. Yep. I mean, she definitely. If you look at Ric Flair, her dad versus her, as far as Mike skills,
0: or actually, no, we got to do Ric Flair's uh, current.
1: (gasps) (laughs) Well, he's like ninety-five. No, he's. I think he's mid-sixties. Yeah, he's he's up there. I mean. Uh, but I mean, if you look at his mic skills and her mic skills, she definitely inherited her mic skills from Danny. Well, she, she, and her story is so, is so interesting because I I
0: mean, I'm a little worried that if they tell enough about it enough times that hardcore fans will not start, start to not like her for some reason. She didn't get into the business because she loved it. She got into the business because her brother convinced her to do it. Her brother Reed. Right. And then Reed died. So she said, well, now I have to get good at this. Right. And get
1: good at it she has. Oh, yeah. She's, in a very short amount of time. She is a great all around athlete. Um, she is good on the mic. I, I have no complaints about her. Um, I even kind of like her heel character. Um, I, I didn't like the little toady she had for a while. Dana Brooke. Dana yeah. Brooke. I, she, not a bad wrestler when she actually wrestled. Uh, no, she's pretty bad. Is she?
0: She's pretty bad. <laughs> I, I, I mean, she's one of those people that's like keep her away from the. If she's ever in a championship feud, I'm gonna be upset. But
1: yeah, I don't think she. I don't think we'll ever see her there. Yeah. Um. Other women wrestlers. Uh. Bailey. What are your thoughts on Bailey? Bailey is great.
0: Bailey is one of those people, kind of like Sami Zayn, where they have that ever like. If you tried to turn them heel, I don't know if it would work. Yeah. (laughs) Like they, they have a a personality. They have a presentation and they, um, that, that just really works for a natural baby face. And their, their, their songs are perfect for what they're trying to do. Like they, they're, they've, they've definitely have good package deals with those. I
1: like the Bailey, uh, the, the whatever she calls them, her her blow up uh, the the
0: buddies, the Bailey uh, buddies, like the, the car
1: dealership guys yeah, that are at yeah. the stage. That yeah. is the I, first time I saw that. I'm like, that's funny, you know, and, and it fits her character perfectly. Yeah. You know, um, I'm a big fan of Bailey's. Um, I would love to see her win on Sunday. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, no, it probably they'll probably hold that off for Mania. that's, yeah. that's my guess. But uh, I. I <laughs> I would love, I would, I would love to see it, but like I said, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, what are what are your thoughts on the boss? As long as we're talking this group, Sasha, know,
0: Sasha's great. I, I, there's not a single woman in the new batch, with the exception of Dana Brooke, that I that I don't like. Okay, you know, they, they uh, Alexa Bliss, the current SmackDown Women's Champion, she, I, she's actually gotten better. What yep. what I thought was because I had seen her in NXT for a while, right, and I thought you she's plateaued like i was like she's probably never going to get any better than this this is just how good she's going to be and frankly it wasn't that great it was like okay so like that kind of sucks so right um maybe maybe this is just who she's going to be and when they called her up i was a little surprised it was like you called this girl up i don't know if she's ready but since being on the main show she's actually grown as a performer, oh, absolutely, uh, and, and, I, and I think she's just fine now. She's not, she's not one of the best, no, but she's good enough to carry um, a heel title program to yeah. make you want she... to, make you want somebody else to win the title, right? And she works; she can work a mic, yeah, yeah. Oh, on the mic, she might be one of their better talents, yeah. Maybe.
1: And and I kind of like her uh, her. Um... Uh, her Harley gimmick right now. Oh, oh the. Well, she only did that for like the one pay per view. Well, right, but she's still doing the the mix, the 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 mist the mixed bliss or whatever she's calling it she, her t shirts right now. So it's kind of she's got the the hair. I I don't know. I guess it's not as strong as it was for the one pay per view, but it's still kind of her it, gimmick. Yeah,
0: sure, it's still there. That aesthetic is certainly still
1: there. Right. So um, and then we got the last kicker. Um, who is my favorite woman wrestler? Becky Lynch. Yeah, yeah. She's, it's, it's interesting when you look at those four, cause there were four
0: women that they brought up recently that have been really the, the people who have lead, been leading the charge of turning the women's division into one, the women's division, not the Divas division.
1: That was the best move they ever yeah. made. It.
0: And uh, two, turning it into something that as, as a fan of athletes, as a fan of wrestling, you can actually watch and appreciate. Instead of well, here's some hot girls on TV in lingerie. Go nuts! Yeah, <laughs> it's it's like now, puppies! now now yeah puppies puppies oh yeah Jerry the King Lawlers. Yeah. Right at the top of his head. Uh, and, and by the way, watching those Attitude Era raws, it is so tough watching or listening to Jim Ross try and keep his like professionalism. He's just like, oh, there we go, folks. My God, like like <laughs> he's just, he's just ashamed of what he's viewing, and right? So am I. <laughs> but uh, no, they. they they're basically responsible for re- changing the way that this company looks at how women can perform. And oh, right, absolutely! I mean, from NXT level all the way up to RAW, and out of the four of them, I think I mean I would say Charlotte is probably my favorite. Okay. Um, followed by Sasha, followed by Bayley, followed by Becky. But you got to understand, these four are very—they're very gifted. Oh, yeah, All absolutely. four of them. I'm not going to say that just because Becky's my least favorite of the four doesn't bad. mean that she's bad. Right. She's She's
1: just not, in my opinion, as good as the other three. See, and I would have to go uh, – Becky Lynch is probably my favorite. Secondly, it would be between Charlotte and um, Sasha Banks. And then Bailey would actually be at the bottom of my – Wow. Four. Oh, sure, sure, sure. You know, yeah. again, same as you. It's not saying that any of them are bad. So what is it about Becky? Because, I I mean,
0: like, so Charlotte, in my opinion, again, one of the best pure athletes they have. She's she's come very far in a very short amount of time creating a character, creating an in-ring style. Granted, she's, she took a lot of things from her dad. Right. But, um, you know, she's also made a lot of things her own. So I guess, what is it about Becky Lynch? Because for me, I, I think there's almost a little lack of personality she had that stupid steampunk gimmick with the goggles and stuff, but that didn't that didn't connect with me. Okay. So I didn't think that she was like out of the that triple threat main event at WrestleMania. I was like I would almost I would just rather see Sasha and Charlotte. I didn't need Becky there for it to be like a good match
1: to me. But what is it about Becky Lynch that makes her a standout performer to you? Um it's, it's her ability in the ring. I think she is um She may not be as natural of a, of an athlete as Charlotte, but I think she tries harder than any of the other girls there or women there. Okay. I mean, in my opinion, you know, um, but yeah, so, you know, that's why, and I, and I really, her gimmick did kind of catch my eye, you know, the goggles, the long coat, the, I just, it's an aesthetic thing too. Sure. Um, but that that being said I I you know and that's just and, and and it's it's kind of a sexist thing but I think she's the cutest of them all okay you know I mean it's a thing it's a
0: thing you're you're a man Yeah exactly you're a man you 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 watch res- wrestling is is an aesthetic business Absolutely it is absolutely you know there are there are people that get over because of... Well, not get over, but there are people that are pushed because of their looks, which is unfortunate. Yep. Um, and then there are people who get over because their looks help them. Right. You know, I mean, nobody, nobody's going to want to... For example, this James Ellsworth guy. My God. I mean, e- even if that guy... <laughs> even if, Chad, even if that guy was the best wrestler on the planet, I'd have a really hard time watching him in a ring. Regular... <laughs> he looks like a lizard creature. Yeah, he... Uh... <laughs> Uh, i love his i love his move though the no chin music the no chin music the super kick the all right one move he can do apparently yeah exactly yeah well you know any man with two fists any man with two fists has a fighting chance shit. even though he never uses his fists i know i know
1: <laughs> all right so um we're we're kind of getting to that point um where we're going to start wrapping this up but i'm gonna i'm gonna quick quick throw some uh questions at you well, we here. have been talking for a while haven't we? yeah so i'm gonna throw i'm gonna throw a few questions at you. okay here. let's go Favorite wrestler of all time? All oh my promotions. God, that's really tough. I know
0: it's a tough question, but. My favorite wrestler of all time? I mean, I, I. There are a lot that come to mind. It's a tie. It's a tie between, um, Randy the Macho Man Savage. Okay. As he was called in the 80s. Now we yeah. know just him as Macho Man Randy Savage. And, uh, Brock Lesnar. Okay. Um, Randy the Macho Man Savage was, uh,. One of the he was part of the first match that I ever really watched that got me hooked on this stupid business. <laughs> um, it was on a videotape. WWF presents WrestleMania Volume One, Best of WrestleMania or whatever, and uh, it had the match, the full match of uh, Ultimate Warrior versus the Macho King, okay, for uh, for in a in a career threatening match. The the loser had to retire, and in that match they pulled on uh, me what they. Pulled on everybody in that arena, which was Savage came in as the heel and he left beloved again. Like he, he tried his absolute damnedest to, to beat the warrior to prove that he was still something. He right. He was still somebody. He drops five elbows on the guy. And the he warrior, had the best elbow the in history. Best elbow in history. He drops five elbows from the top rope and the warrior still kicks out. I flipped out. I was like, what? This is not <laughs> fair. This is not fair. But, uh, it, he was, uh, he just, he's magnetic. You know, when you watch him in the ring, when you watch that, I mean, thank God for the WWE network because now that stuff will never die. You know, you can right. go back and watch whatever you want from that time. And he, um, he just had a way of, uh, of being, he was, he was one of those guys, kind of like Charlotte, where, um, you know, he he just felt this weird, this weird obsession almost with being great at this thing, you right? Know? Because he was an athlete too. He came from ba- a baseball background, and it was like, well, I've got a lot of personal pride in being a great athlete. Right. I'm gonna have personal pride in being great at this. Now, well,
1: and he started out as a tag team wrestler with his brother Lenny. Yeah, they were in their dad's. Or think like working their dad's promotion. or Right, something. I uh, think they worked up in the AWA too as tag teams. Uh, he was already Randy Savage by then. Yeah, and his brother still wrestled under the family name of Papo Of Papo, yep, yeah. Lanny Papo the genius. Yep. Eventually, uh, but he—I
0: mean, when they brought him up and they—they they put him with—I mean, now granted, his personal relationships, you know, with his wife, uh, his ex-wife, and um, a lot of that, you know, behind-the-scenes stuff—it wasn't wasn't great. You know, no. I'm not saying he was a great person. Right. But I am saying he was a great
1: performer. Okay, so now, and you also said Brock Lesnar. And Brock, Brock. Now, see, that's one I disagree with you on. So, I, okay, I, I am not a Brock Lesnar fan. Okay. um, But tell us why you are. So, Brock is my, he's my Hulk
0: Hogan. He's my wrestling hero. You've got to remember, I've, I started watching wrestling as, you know, 10, 11 years old, actually paying attention to wrestling, because, you know, we didn't really have cable. Right. Uh, and it was around that time that, We got a Fox channel in this area. We didn't have one up until like 2000. Right, right. And um, we got a Fox channel, and they would put the UPN programming on late at night. So, I can't tell you when, but one day in 2002, I discovered that Saturday nights at 11 o'clock at night, after all of the Saturday programming for Fox... Was done. Smackdown. You know, Thursday would have aired on thursday but it aired on saturday and our on our fox channel fox 55 back then and you could just watch smackdown but it was on at 11 o'clock at night on saturday but i would stay up and i would watch it and that was my first real like i gotta watch this every week and brock lesnar was the reason why um that SummerSlam 2002 the first pay-per-view that i watched live as it happened we went over to my uncle's house um And uh, he had ordered the show. My dad only went because of Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels had come back. He was back on that pay-per-view. And Dad said, Shawn Michaels is one of the best ever. So I want to go see him.
1: I would agree with Uh, you, Dad. Yep. And
0: and it's true. Absolutely true. And on that night, Shawn Michaels had a great match. I was like, man, this guy's still... Like, this guy's... Why did he ever leave? He was great. And uh, Brock won the championship that night from The Rock. Uh, And... It, it, he he was just, you know, he was a larger-than-life character. Uh, he had a really cool finishing move, the F5. Right, right. Uh, and they pushed him to the moon. He beat everybody. So it's really easy <laughs> to get behind a wrestler when he wins all of his matches against the biggest names, you know? Next thing you know, he was in a feud with The Undertaker, and he beat The Undertaker in Hell in a Cell. Nobody beats the other Right. Guy, right. let alone El Al Hell in a Cell. So they, they gave him all of the chance in the world to get over, and he got over. And he, in a very short amount of time, again, because he wasn't in the business that long. You know, from 2002 to WrestleMania in 2004, that was, it was only like a two-year run. Right. But in that two years, he wrestled, like, almost every main adventure they had at that time. You know, great matches with Kurt Angle, great matches with, frankly, The Big Show. You know, he could lift The Big Show, so they could have right. realistic confrontations. And when he came back in two thousand twelve after being a legitimate UFC champion, he had uh a buzz, a feeling that no other wrestler had. You know, you had him against John Cena, and granted he lost that very first match. Right. But when for for a couple of years, I think it's sort of worn off now, but for a couple of years, whenever Brock Lesnar would be in the ring with a you know a normal quote unquote WWE wrestler, it would be It's like a styles clash and the best kind. He would just run roughshod. He'd just be like, oh, bang, and let me... I'm going to (laughs) break... Jeez, what's going on over there? I'm going to break your arm. Like, that's... He would just grab people's arms, put them in a camera lock, and then, like, obviously he wouldn't actually break them, but that was the thing. He would... He would just... His eyes would get wide, and he'd just snap. Oh, his... Their arm is broken. It's like, Brock Lesnar's just the dude who breaks people's arms. (laughs) Kick's ass, takes people's names, and that character has been very effective. And this latest turn with Goldberg, I think, has also been very effective. So I, I think he has stepped up, especially, you know, being one of those guys that Vince pushed because of their, you know, because the big body, the big look. Right. Well, well, would you, would you look at this guy? Why not he looks great. <laughs> no, uh, that he, he stepped up. He's, he's never been the best Mike guy, but in the ring, You know, going from. But that's,
1: that's why they have Paul Heyman.
0: Yeah, that's why they have Paul Heyman now. But I mean, even back in 2003, he wasn't like a great, you know, never a great promo. But, uh, he was a great, I think he just had a lot of, he had the look, he had the, the, the athletic talent to get over. And he, he got pretty good, in my opinion, pretty quickly. So I'll, I'll always keep him high on my list because again, he was the Hulk Hogan for me. He was the guy who, you know, man, I wish I could be like him. That was that
1: was me. Okay, favorite woman wrestler of all time.
0: Um, of all time. Again, this is
1: pretty tough. Um, favorite woman wrestler or favorite woman period? Sure, favorite woman period hmm. in the wrestling business. How about that? Maybe as a valet or whatever. Right, that's what I mean. Um,
0: let's. Do you have other questions? Yeah, I do. Right, ask the other questions. Let me let me come back to this one. Let me think about it. Favorite tag team of all time? Um, it's it's between the Hardys. I really like the Hardys as a team. Okay. Uh, and, um, as a stable, the Shield. Okay, I can see that. Uh, I I I thought that what they did with the Shield was great. You know, from from start to finish, they were uh they they did a great job of building these three new guys. I mean, that's one of the few examples that I can give of three guys that now they're all top stars in the company, right? You know, and they were all new during a time when getting new people over was tough for them. So
1: I actually, yeah, the the, the shield would probably be in my top teams for sure. Okay, um, let's see what else. Uh, favorite match of all time. <clears throat> that's um like a match that I can watch
0: for like. Just enjoyment. Just, just, just watch whenever. Yeah. There was, uh, there's a match, and this may seem like a really small thing, but there's a match on an on an Edge DVD. Okay. It's uh, Randy Orton versus Edge. April of two thousand seven. It was right after they had broken up as a tag team. Okay. And they had an intense encounter, despite the fact that they were both heels, because they they were both heels. The, the crowd, like at first. Doesn't quite know how to react. You know, when you watch the match, they don't really know how to react to these two guys. They're like, well, who are we supposed to cheer in this match? Like, they both, they've both, we've booed them both for months, you know, years. Right. How about, like, who are we supposed to cheer? But they, they got the crowd into the match because they just, they worked so well together in that moment. There's a spot on the turnbuckle, and I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it. But Randy is not bleeding. He's not bleeding at all. Edge... Picks him up and he drops like he he like comes out because Randy's like doing mounted punches on the turnbuckle. Okay, Edge picks up his legs and like comes out from underneath and he drops Randy's head onto the turnbuckle. Like Randy's head just goes bang onto the turnbuckle. He comes up and his blood and is bleeding. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, do they have a blade like in the turnbuckle? Like that's was it, that during the era when they, could, when they could when they could? Yeah, this was still when they could you know bleed okay. on TV, but like it was perfect. It's like Bang! There was no, let me rub my arm across my forehead, like, and let the right. blood, here's a very clear line across my forehead where blood is trickling down. Right. No, it was, it was perfect. It was, he hits the turnbuckle, the metal, and he comes up and there's blood pouring down his forehead. It was, it's the, probably the best blood spot I've ever seen.
1: Okay. Uh,
0: and the, the match ends in a very, again, intense manner. Um, Randy's bleeding. He's, he grabs onto the ropes for leverage. Okay. And the ref, or, or no, no. Edge grabs onto the ropes and Randy kicks out. And Randy rolls up Edge and grabs onto the ropes and the referee catches him. Okay. It's like, it's like both these guys are trying to cheat to win. It's right, like, oh, right. Oh, what the fuck? And, uh, Edge throws Randy into the corner with the exposed turnbuckle and Randy stops himself. He, he like, he grabs the ropes and he's like, oh, almost hit it, turns around, spear. One, two, three. Nice. Yeah. It was perfectly timed, really well put together. And it's, it's a TV match. It's not a, it's not pay per view. Right. And they, the way they were able to get the crowd into the match to cheer, they were really just watching and they were cheering what the guys were doing. Right. They weren't necessarily cheering for one person or the other. They were just like, hot damn. This is cool. It's like, a great match. Yeah. I don't care who wins. And they didn't wrestle a lot. Edge and Randy Orton pretty much, you know, right. they kind of stayed away from each other. They, they had a feud in 2004 for the Intercontinental title, and then they had that, that one match. But they really, they were both heels for most of their careers. So right. they didn't really lock up in WWE, WWE
1: okay. that often. W- one more question, then we're going to go back to the woman's question. So.
0: Okay. Just, all
1: right. Favorite manager slash valet of all time?
0: <clears throat> um, I mean, Paul Heyman's up there. And he's got to be for a, a lot, almost anybody, right? I mean, he, uh, I, I like Heyman as a as a mouthpiece. <laughs> as a mouthpiece, he's one of the best. Um I, I I mean, that's the easy way out, but I I think it might be the answer.
1: Well, it wouldn't be my answer, but it's fair enough. Well, who's your answer, Bobby Heenan?
0: Bobby the Brain. Okay, yeah, I, yeah. I, I can see it, but he didn't have a that long of a career as a valet though, because by the, he 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 was wrestling, I think, at the same time, and then he got. He got injured. Right, and then he became
1: a manager. And then he became a he became a commentator. Well, he did that too, but he also had a career as a as a Oh I know. I know he had a career as but I, But that was more in WCW,
0: which wouldn't be your strong spot. Wasn't he um wasn't he a commentator longer than he was a manager?
1: He might have been.
0: But I still love I guess him as a on screen personality. Yeah.
1: yeah. Sure.
0: Bobby the Brain's definitely up there. But I think I think Heyman might be my might be, might be my favorite. And I
1: wouldn't disagree with that. Heyman's a great mouthpiece. Sure. Um, uh, okay,
0: best. So best.
1: best uh, this is your hot. favorite female, uh, let's say, uh, TV personality in wrestling. Or, or, or competitor. Or competitor, um, yeah.
0: I mean, the easy answer again is like somebody like Lita. You know, Lita. But you know what? And this is going to be a little controversial. Okay. I think it's China. I can see that. I think it's China. Uh, a lot of, a lot of people. You, you might discount a lot of what she did. Hell, WWE discounts a lot of what she did because they of do. what she did after. Right. Um, and yeah, she changed her looks a lot during her time in wrestling. She became almost like a plastic person, you know, facsimile right. of herself. Right. But her role in wrestling, it shouldn't be forgotten because Shawn Michaels and Triple H... When they created this idea of Degeneration X, they're like, you know what would get us some real heat? Having a woman as our manager. And I'm sure that Vince McMahon was like, ha ha, that's so funny. You know what? Do it. You, you just, you just go out there and that that woman, ha ha. People are gonna be so you're you're a chicken shit for hiding behind a woman. And that that was the idea. You right. know, you yep. weren't supposed to necessarily take her seriously, but at the same time, she had a look unlike any other woman that they'd ever had on TV before. She's this mountain, so to speak, of a woman. Oh, yeah. She... I mean, granted, only I mean she's like 5'10". But still, tall for a woman. Yep. And they were hiding behind her, but she would, you know, fully take advantage of the fact that she was a woman and that the guys would be like... um Hesitant to hit her, right, she would and, just and, hit him with low blows, punch him right in the face. She wasn't afraid to get into a fight, and, and the, she also held the IC. She, she she did later on, yeah. Not, not as a part of that original right, right, stable, but. but she turned babyface and she held the Intercontinental Championship later on. And as a wrestler, she's really—I mean, you look and she's really not that good. You know, she no. was, she was carried to some good matches by some people, but not not in her own merit. But the role that she played in changing that idea of like, hey, you can. Depending on the look, depending on the personality, depending on how you push them and how you write them, you can take a woman just as seriously in the ring as you could a guy. Right. You know, it it, it in it it just depends on how they're presented. And she was presented in the right way to make her a threat. You know, on the outside or, or whatever, she was not afraid to get involved in the match, and right. that made her um, a factor that you had to plan for. And uh, that's that's big.
1: Excellent. Well. Zach, I think we're going to call this a wrap. Um, thanks for coming in. Thanks yeah. for bringing the topic. I had a blast Any, with anytime. this time. We can talk about Star Wars another time if you want. There you go. Um, all right. So um, right now, uh, I just do a teaser for next week. Next week, um, I'm going to have a buddy of mine on. His name is Spencer Loomis. Spencer also has his own podcast, um, which we're not be- going to
0: talk about that. <laughs>
1: Well we'll let him talk about it next week. How yeah, about that? Yeah, you'll let that fool talk about it.
0: <laughs> no, Spencer and I have a he has his own wrestling podcast. I'm not gonna give him a plug, but uh they we, we've had a rivalry with them. Oh, okay. O- over the years. We've had a rivalry with them. So All uh, right. I I don't wanna I don't wanna give him too much free press.
1: Alright, so um then the other thing is uh you know if you uh have anything, any questions, any thoughts, any uh, comments, uh, you can always send those in to it at gmail.com, and uh, we'll read those on the air. We'll get your name out there, answer your questions, whatever that they may be. And then finally, we end with the quote of the day, Zach, and so I read the quote. We'll talk about it a little bit if we want to. Oh, sure. And then uh, we'll go from there. So this is my part where I, I give you something that you don't know what we're talking about. Okay. So here it goes. My role in society, or any artist or poet's role, is to try and express what we all feel. Not to tell people how to feel, not as a preacher, not as a leader, but as a reflection of us all. And that was John Lennon. Oh. So, um, I, you know, when I was looking for quotes today, um, I usually have a theory behind how I get quotes. And today I was like, I'm just gonna go out um, to the to the website where I snag my quotes from, and uh, I'm just gonna go out there, and I'm just gonna kind of look around. And this is one of them that popped up. And you know, as the fact that I spent a lot of years on the stage, um, as did I, yes, did you? And um, you just we're kind of the same person. Though. <laughs> well, and now uh, with the, with the podcast and the stuff like that, you know, and I appear on other people's podcasts and blah blah blah. I I guess I kind of fall into this mold. And I try not to preach, um, and I'm definitely not somebody you should follow. Well, wait, let me let me rephrase that. I am not a leader of people, but definitely follow the podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, and that's exactly it. It's just you, everything that we do is a reflection of something else. Um, you know, when I have people come in here, even though I don't know what's going on, it is a reflection of that person. They come in, and this is what they want to talk about to me. Okay. You sure. know? So that it just kind of struck me. Um but uh struck you at all? Anything? Um yeah,
0: you know I I, I don't know. We, we we people and I I I went through this. I I would like to think this isn't me anymore, but I know obviously I mean when you grow up, when growing up you there is that phase of your life when you you really do think everything is about you. Yep, absolutely. Like that's a developmental thing. That's a psychology thing. You know, they'll tell you when you're when you're a teenager, you become very self-focused. It's true. It's, I have two teenage daughters. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So, it, you know, uh I I would just hope that eventually people lead themselves out of that period of their life and that they start to sort of see that the world is not It's not all about them, you know. I I think that – and you'll find that. I mean you made the comments about our president. I'm not going to get into that. But I think that in politics and in people's voting opinions, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people who, yeah, it's, you know, this is my opinion and this is how it is. And it's like, well, you know, you don't live my life. You don't live Chad's life. You don't live this other person's life. I don't know. Their perspective might be worth hearing. So, they, you know, and that's the other thing about this podcast. You know, I, I'm not going to tell you how, who, what wrestler to like. Like, that's not, I, I hope that's not how I came across. No, today. not at all. Like, it's just like, this is, this is how I see this. Right. And you can take that into whatever you want. So, I, right. that's, that's sort of what I got from that. You know, maybe we should, we, if, if you feel like you are impressing your opinion upon somebody else, maybe, uh, step back for a second and think, um, Maybe I should listen
1: to them. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks, man. Like I said, thanks for coming on. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. And just remember, all you need is love.